ahead and have a seat. Good morning. We are so glad that you all are here to worship with us today. Um, we are super excited for our friends at home. We just want to say hi and good morning to you guys as well. I have a few announcements before we get started with our message today. After service, our students and our youth are meeting outside. They have packed lunches. They're going to have kickball and games. So if you are part of our student ministry or if it's your first time here and you are a student, we would love for you to stay after service today so that you can spend some time hanging out together. Um, we also have Good Friday coming up on April 2nd. So we will have an outdoor service at 7 o'clock. We will have families together, so bring everybody, but we'll have that at 7 o'clock, Good Friday. And then Easter is April 4th. It is at 10 a.m. What time is it? Because we normally meet at 10.30, and you might show up late, and you'll be super sad because the kids are practicing a really beautiful song. They're practicing an amazing play. Skit. It's a skit. Um, but you don't want to miss it. And obviously, Pastor James has a great message as well. I mean, that's a no-brainer. So you want to make sure you're here at what time? 10 o'clock on Easter. Invite your friends. Invite your family. It will be very similar to Christmas. So if you loved Christmas outside at the barn, we are having Easter outside at the barn. So it is an outdoor service. Everything we have will be outside. We have some games, crafts, and activities for families to do together after the service. Um, that day, we also have our food pantry. Every month, we partner with Mission City Church to collect food that they then give to people in the Charlotte area. So that day on Easter Sunday, please bring in all of your donations of food items that you would like to donate to Mission City Church in our partnership with them. Um, for right now, Pastor James is going to come up for the message, and the children can go to the back. If you're in kindergarten through fifth grade and you'd like to come to children's ministry today, just go and wait by the back door, and I will meet you there in a minute. It's the first day I actually dismiss them. Uh, Jody, you did a, a strong job this Thank morning. You. That Thank was you. great. That was fantastic. <laughs> Let's give Jody a hand. Yes. One more time. One more time. Okay, that's, that's enough. Uh, hey, some exciting uh, news to share with you. Last week, uh, Christ Point officially signed the contract for the six and a half acres. Yes. You might be wondering, what does that mean? Uh, it means that we signed a contract. We have a 90-day due diligence period, and so we are uh, talking to uh, people a lot smarter than us who are helping us see what we don't see uh, over the course of the last 90 days. And if all goes well, then uh, that land would officially be ours uh, 90 days from uh, this past week, actually Friday. Uh, so be praying toward that time. Ask God to continue to give us wisdom and provision. Uh, if you are here this morning also and you have some gifts and abilities uh, that you think you could bring to the table as we think long-term about that uh, space that we have, we want to use it uh, to the best of our ability. Uh, if you want to be part of that team, maybe you've done that before, or you have some uh, tools in your tool belt that you think uh, you can offer to Christ Point. We would love to have just a conversation with you, an initial uh, conversation, as you uh, may prayerfully consider uh, being a part of that team. And so you can send uh, any of the elders an email. You can send me an email as well. You can call me. Uh, you can uh, text. Uh, you can look me up on Instagram. I have two posts, maybe three. Uh, that's probably not the best way to get a hold of me, but we would love for you to be a part of that. Uh, if you have 
Uh, your Bibles, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, these words were written uh, 700 years before Jesus came. Think about that. 700 years before Jesus showed up and the prophet Isaiah is writing uh, to God's people looking ahead to the coming servant or to the coming Messiah, to the coming of Jesus. And this is what uh, he says in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verses 4 through 6. He says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, uh, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, would you pray with me? If, if you would this morning, um, why don't you take a moment and pray uh, for you. Uh, pray that God would give you eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive his word. And if you would, pray for me. Uh, pray that I would be helpful uh, to you, uh, that I would be clear, that anything I say that is of the Lord would take uh, deep root in your heart, and what is not would be uh, forgotten. Would you pray for me? God, we thank you for your living and active word. Thank you that you have spoken and that your word is powerful and that it doesn't return void. Whatever you want to accomplish through it, you do. And so I pray now, Lord, that you would soften our hearts so that we might receive your word. I pray that you would this morning change our affections as we consider and contemplate uh, the goodness of your son Jesus and his sacrifice on our behalf. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. If you have children or if you have spent any time around children, uh, then you probably have had an experience like this. A little boy or a little girl runs up to you with an art project. Uh, they are holding in their hand a, a piece of paper, a piece of paper that looks a little bit like this, uh, but with something on it. But you don't know what's on it because you can't really make it out. Uh, but you know that they were working hard on it. It's colored, there's markers, maybe just some pen or some pencil, maybe some paint, but they're proud of it. And they run up to you and they hold it out to you and they say, look, look what I've done. There's a smile on their face, their, their chest is is out, there's a spring in their step. Uh, they want you to notice their work. Right? They, they've done something that they're proud of and they want you to see uh, and they want you to comment on the work they've done. Now at that point when they ask you, hey, like, what do you think about my work? You have a couple of options. You could be honest. In this particular case, honesty is not the best policy. 
Uh, because when you look on the sheet of paper, you see a sun that looks like a deflated football. Right? You see squiggly lines that may or may not be a flower. Right? You see some other things on there that you can't quite make out, but you, you know that that's not the answer they're looking for, right? They want you to look at it and admire their work. They want you to see the masterpiece that they have done. Isaiah chapter 53 is God showing his work, right? And he wants us to look at it and see his work for what it is, and what it is is beautiful. So this morning, I want us to think together about three things. I want us to think about our response to the work of God. How do we respond to the work that God has done? I want us to think together about the result of God's work. What did God's work accomplish? What does God's work accomplish? And then lastly, I want to kind of flip it around and think not about our response to the work of God, but think about God's response to the work of mankind. Right? So those three things. I want us to think about our response to God's work, uh, think about the result of it, what did it accomplish, and then last, I want us to uh, think about God's response to the work of mankind, to us, to you, and to me. Uh, first, I want us to think about our response uh, to the work of God or the work of Jesus. We're told about his work in verse 4 of Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Jesus has taken our griefs and carried our sorrows. The word born here means to take or to lift up. Uh, Jesus took our grief uh, and our sorrow. Uh, Jesus experienced on earth uh, real suffering, significant suffering. In other words, Jesus knows our pain. Jesus was fully God but he was also fully man. And because he was fully man, he knows what it's like to suffer. Uh, he understands what it's like to live life in a fallen and a broken world. And he's not oblivious to it. Now, Jesus understands what you're going through, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus' experience was exactly like your experience. It doesn't mean that Jesus knows what it's like to be bullied in middle school. It doesn't mean that he faced a breakup or that he raised children through the teenage years or that he was forced to grow old with grace. That's not what it means. But what it does mean is that Jesus lived a full human experience. Jesus lived a full human experience. He knew what it was like to walk in our shoes. Uh, Jesus felt pain. He experienced grief and sorrow. Uh, the grief and sorrow that Isaiah is speaking of here in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4 is grief and sorrow uh, that is brought about by sin, that's brought about by uh, our sin. That means that Jesus took the grief and sorrow uh, from our sin uh, upon himself. Right? David uh, paints a picture of this grief and sorrow uh, in, in, in Psalm chapter 32, uh, which is David's confession when he confesses before the Lord uh, his uh, relationship with uh, Bathsheba. It says in Psalm 32, uh, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Uh, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. 
and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, uh, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength uh, was dried up as by the heat of summer. Ever experienced grief or sorrow uh, from sin before? Have you ever said or done or thought something that was contrary uh, to God's law and God's spirit, uh, the spirit inside of you, convicts you? And you experience sorrow or grief uh, over your sin. What, what seemed appealing in a moment, uh, all of a sudden uh, becomes uh, ugly in your heart. And you feel that. That's, that's grief and sorrow. Isaiah is saying that uh, the Messiah, he will experience our grief and our sorrow. 1 Peter chapter 2 Verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds uh, you have been healed. Jesus came and stood in our place. The punishment that we deserve, uh, Jesus paid for. And uh, you would think, uh, if we believe that, if that were true, uh, that we would respond in uh, a way that would glorify Jesus, that would bring him honor. Like if we grasped the significance of his work, we would uh, say in our hearts or even out loud, like, bravo, <laughs> like, thank you, Lord. And yet, did you notice how uh, humanity responds to the work of God. Isaiah says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Jesus bore our grief and our sorrow, and we, humanity, we were thoroughly unimpressed. We looked at Jesus as stricken or smitten by God and afflicted. We were not impressed by the work of Jesus. Imagine for a moment this morning if you faced insurmountable debt. Let's say you decided to stimulate the economy with $2 trillion of your own money. It seemed like a good idea at the time. You would divide it up and send it out, and you would help everyone out. Uh, but uh, after a month, you get your visa bill, and uh, you realize uh, that the interest on the debt uh, is more than you can afford. Right? You don't have that kind of money. Uh, have you ever been in debt before? Have you ever been in debt? Maybe college debt or credit card debt, unwelcome debt. Maybe it was a medical bill or a house expense that you weren't uh, prepared for? Um, have you ever felt the weight of debt before? Like th there was something that you owed that you could not pay off. Imagine what it's like to feel that and then to have someone arrive to deliver you from your debt. 
Imagine for a moment a humble Elon Musk shows up in your driveway in an electric vehicle or maybe in a rocket ship on his way to Mars. And he says, I've heard about your debt. I've heard that you have been spending money that you do not have. And I want you to know, even though it wasn't me who made those decisions, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to cover your debt. I'm going to pay your debt completely off. Not only am I going to pay off your debt, but I'm going to give you all of my resources so you don't have to live like this ever again. Imagine what it would be if you had that kind of experience. How would you respond? Spiritually speaking, that is what Jesus has done for us. And Isaiah is saying to us, to God's people, to the readers, that essentially we look at God in the face and we say to him, you are a loser. You're a loser. You, you are smitten by God. You are forsaken. People looked at the sacrifice of Jesus and they were thoroughly unimpressed by it. They, they looked at him uh, as some, someone who was forgotten by God. They were unimpressed. It says in Mark chapter 15, verse 29 through 32, and those who passed by Jesus derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priest with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying he saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Right? People looked at the spectacle that was Jesus uh, on the cross. And they shook their head. They thought, that man is forgotten by God. Uh, the very man who came uh, to bear the weight of our sin, to take our grief, and our sorrow. And Isaiah says, we responded in such a way that we were thoroughly unimpressed by him. I said this morning, I want us to think or to consider the work of God in our response. Uh, secondly, I want us to, uh, to think together about the work of Jesus on the cross and the result uh, from his work. Like, what did it accomplish uh, for us? Scripture says in Isaiah uh, chapter 53, uh, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Crushed literally means to be beaten in pieces, uh, to be destroyed. Now, Jesus was beaten to pieces, uh, he was destroyed uh, because of our sin. When I read a verse like this, I am uh, reminded of uh, the offense uh, that our sin is to God. I'm reminded of the severity of sin before a holy and a just and a good God. Oftentimes, we, me, 
I'll speak for myself, uh, can diminish sin or excuse away sin or uh, justify sin or compare sin, uh, but, but seldom, I think, do we understand uh, the weight of sin. But, but you read in Scripture times when, when people were confronted with God's holiness and understood at least in part their sinfulness, and, and they were, were humbled and blown away. I, I think about Isaiah chapter 6. Earlier in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah sees a, a vision of, of the Lord in the temple. Do you remember Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5? It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. You see the, you see the picture of a holy, holy, holy God. Now notice how the author responds. It says in verse 4, and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And here's his response. And I said, woe is me. Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Uh, for my eyes have seen the King, uh, the Lord of hosts. When people see the King, when people see the King, when they see the holiness of God, they are undone. Right? They, they are undone. Right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And Isaiah says, woe is me, uh, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people. I dwell in a land of people of unclean lips. Um, God's holiness breaks us, breaks all of us, breaks all of us of self-righteousness. It humbles us. God's holiness uh, convicts us of our hard-heartedness. God's holiness reveals our lukewarmness in life. God is holy and sin is uh, severe. It is so severe uh, that God the Father sent God the Son to be wounded for our transgressions and to be crushed uh, for our sins. Upon him was the chastisement or was the punishment of God. In the midst of this heavy news, uh, there is hope. There is hope. You notice what, what Isaiah says, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Uh, with his stripes, with his wounds, with his welts, with his bruises, uh, we are healed. Peace with God. Healing with God. That is incredible news. Uh, the sacrifice of God, the Son, uh, brings peace between us and the Father. Have you ever experienced a relationship uh, before where you haven't had peace? Maybe it was 
uh, in a marriage with your spouse, with your husband or with your wife. Maybe it was with a family member, and a, a son or a daughter, an aunt, an uncle, a brother or sister. Maybe it was with an old friend or a neighbor, a colleague, uh, someone from uh, the neighborhood. Maybe you couldn't quite put your finger on it, but there just was something that you felt was coming between you. If someone had said something or done something, had, had acted in a way that was an offense to the other person, and you, you felt like the relationship was, was tarnished. Maybe you couldn't quite put words to it, maybe you didn't know how to define it, but you would say, I feel like we lacked peace. There, there wasn't shalom in our home. We weren't good with each other. Spiritually, the same was true of us before we were invited into a relationship with Jesus. We did not have peace with God. We weren't good with God. There was something that had come between us. But Paul speaks of the peace that we can have because of Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are, we are good with God. Oh, and it is good to be good with God. And it is good to put your head on the pillow at night and to know that you are rightly related to the God of the universe. Like we, we are at peace. It is good uh, to wake up in the morning and to know that you are good with God. Right? That, that there is nothing in between you. This is what Jesus has done. Uh, the author of Isaiah goes on and says, By his stripes we are healed. We're healed. Some people look at this verse and, and say that this means that we are always healed physically uh, here and now. Like God always brings us healing. Uh, and, and there are times when God does that. He, he does bring physical healing. Maybe you've experienced that before. You've experienced the healing touch of God. Someone has prayed for you or with you. You've prayed and, and God's healed you. God, God does that. It's well within his nature and his character to do it. However, I don't think Isaiah here is saying that God always does this here and now in terms of bringing physical healing. I think what Isaiah is talking about is spiritual healing uh, between us and God. In other words, uh, because of Jesus, our relationship uh, with God is restored. That is healing. Right? Not just physical healing, which is good, but spiritual healing, which is even better. Right? That's what... Uh, Jesus has done. He has uh, brought us peace with God, and he has healed a broken and tarnished relationship uh, because of the work of Jesus. So I said I wanted to do three things, and I wanted to look at our response to the work of Christ. We were thoroughly unimpressed. Uh, I wanted us to think about the result of the work of God. We have peace with God, and spiritually we're restored. We are healed. And then lastly, I said, I want us to look at God's response to the condition of mankind. God's response to the condition of mankind. Look at verse 6 in Isaiah chapter 53. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep uh, have gone astray. Uh, when my kids were young, we would oftentimes... Uh, sit down at the dinner table, and we wanted to have memorable family uh, conversations. 
And so we would ask them deep and thought-provoking questions like, um, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be and why? And sometimes they would say things like, I would be a koala uh, because koalas are cute. And I would be like, that's a great answer. And other times they would say, uh, I would be a dolphin uh, because dolphins can swim. And I would be like, I don't think they're an animal. I think they're a mammal, but we'll just play along. And then they, they would say um, things like, I would want to be a lion uh, because I would, I would want to be the king of the jungle. And they said, Dad, Dad, what animal would you want to be? And then before I could respond, they would say, would you want to be a bald eagle? <laughs> Game over. We're not playing anymore. You know the animal that they never said they wanted to be? A sheep. No one wants to be a sheep. I don't know why. Uh, maybe because sheep have a reputation for being dumb. Sheep have a reputation for being dumb. Uh, one scholar says that sheep are not, uh, do not just take care of themselves, as some might suppose. They require more than any other class of livestock, endless attention and meticulous care. It is no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar in many ways. Our stubbornness and stupidity and our perverse habits are all parallels of profound importance. Sheep by nature are stupid animals, prone to wander off on their own and thereby place themselves in mortal danger. They are defenseless against predators and can't take care of themselves. Um, <laughs> this is the picture of us. <laughs> we are our sheep. Uh, we are prone uh, to put ourselves in danger. Uh, we are needy and we are uh, dependent. We don't always make the smartest decisions. We are sheep. We put ourselves in the ditch. We shoot ourselves in the foot. We can be oblivious to danger that lurks around us. This passage, though, isn't only saying that we are vulnerable. It is. It is also saying that we foolishly go astray. We foolishly wander off. And we leave. You ever stray before? You ever wander off? You ever f kind of feel like practically you, uh, you leave the good shepherd and go at it alone? Isaiah is saying that we, like sheep, uh, have gone astray. We have turned uh, everyone uh, to his own way. Uh, when, when he says everyone uh, has gone astray and everyone has turned his own way, everyone means everyone. Right? That's, that's all of us. There's not like a separate, super spiritual group that have kind of figured it all out and then everyone else. It's like, no, uh, <laughs> guilty as charged. We our sheep, our hearts are not naturally bent toward God. 
We don't naturally love the things of God or want the things of God. That's, that's not our nature. We are sheep. But again, notice how God responds uh, to us. Notice how he responds uh, to our actions. It says, and the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Uh, Jesus was our suffering substitute. And not substitute in the way that we think of substitute. Sometimes when I hear substitute, I think about that poor teacher that has to fill in for me on a Thursday morning. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're doing. But they got the phone call early in the morning, and they're like, can you keep the students alive for seven hours? And they're like, I'm going to try my best. And then they go to school, and they get eaten alive. Like sometimes when we think of substitute, we think of that. That's not the kind of substitute Jesus was. He was uh, the perfect substitute. He was blameless. And God the Father laid on God the Son, Jesus, our sin, my sin, and your sin. So how uh, do, do we uh, respond uh, to this? How do we respond uh, to this truth? Uh, the first thing I think we do, or the first thing that God wants us to do, is to respond in faith, like to believe, to actually see Jesus for who he is, and to not shake our fingers or think to ourselves, he doesn't know what he's talking about, or he's forsaken by God. Instead, God wants us to respond in faith, uh, to trust him, to see Jesus as God's perfect son who came and lived and died and was buried and rose again. He wants us to, to put our chips kind of in the center of the table and go, hey, like I'm all in with Jesus. I'm, I'm leaving nothing behind. Like I'm, I'm trusting him. I'm riding his coattails. I'm following Jesus. It's like the man spoken of in the Gospels who finds treasure in a field. He finds treasure in a field and he goes and he sells all that he has uh, so that he can buy the field. Right? That, that story is saying when, when you see Jesus is more valuable than anything else on the planet, you sell everything to have him. Right? There, there is nothing too costly uh, for you to get Jesus. Right? I think when we read texts like this, God wants us to respond in faith and to say, yes, Lord, I, like, I believe, I'm in, I'm following you. Secondly, I think we are to contemplate the costliness of Christ's sacrifice. I, I think it is good for us as a people um, to slow down and to stop and to feel the weightiness of a passage like this. I came home last week and I said, boy, Melissa, like Isaiah 53 is heavy. And she said, well, like, James, you chose to preach on it. <laughs> and I said, you're right. Because I think it's important. I think it's important for us to be reminded. I think it's important for us to be reminded of the weight or the significance of our sin. Not, not to unnecessarily beat ourselves up or to, to inflict lashes upon ourselves. But, but so that we would at least grasp in part the significance of the work of Jesus. Until we see our sin 
uh, as severe. We will not see the sacrifice of Christ as significant. And I, I feel like we live lives to avoid stuff like this all of the time. Like we invite noise into our lives. We look for distractions. We don't want to be quiet. We don't want to be still. We come to stuff like this and be like, man, I want to look for a coffee cup verse, something that's going to encourage me and get me through the day. I don't know if I want to dwell or ponder or consider something like this. But, but God uh, wants us to think, to ponder, to consider uh, the work of Jesus. How do we respond? We respond in faith. We respond by contemplating, by thinking about, by considering the costliness of the sacrifice of Jesus. And then lastly, uh, I think uh, God wants us uh, to worship. He wants us to worship. Like he, he wants us to be a people who see him for who he is and say, God, you are, you're better than life. I love you and I worship you. And when your eyes are open to uh, the beauty of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, you, me, we are forever changed. And in one of uh, the ways that we can respond is in worship. Not, not only singing songs, uh, but just giving God our lives and saying, God, I, I worship you. Uh, praise God uh, for the work of Jesus. Praise God. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we, uh, we are uh, a people in desperate need of you. Uh, Lord, I am a man in desperate need of you. Uh, the very sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, his bearing the weight of my sin was absolutely unnecessary for me, for us, for your people. We couldn't stand before you without it. We would have uh, no peace, we would have no joy, we would have no hope. Uh, but because of Jesus, we have joy and peace and hope. And so we give you thanks. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Students, if you are here this morning, uh, reminder, uh, kickball uh, after the service. Hopefully you brought a lunch uh, if you did not bring a lunch, find someone who has a lunch and offer them money for their sandwich. Hope you have a great time. Um, God bless you, Christ Point. We'll see you next week at 10.30 a.m. God bless.